Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading Amos chapter 5 from the World English Bible. Listen to this word which I take up for a lamentation over you, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She shall rise no more. She is cast down on her land. There is no one to raise her up. For the Lord Yahweh says, The city that went out a thousand shall have a hundred left, and that which went out one hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For Yahweh says to the house of Israel, Seek me, and you will live. But don't seek Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and don't pass to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek Yahweh, and you will live lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour, and there be no one to quench it in Bethel. You who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, seek him who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns the shadow of death into the morning and makes the day dark with night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth. Yahweh is his name who brings sudden destruction on the strong, so that destruction comes on the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks blamelessly. Therefore, because you trample on the poor, and take taxes from him of wheat, you have built houses of cut stone, but you will not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many your offenses and how great are your sins, you who afflict the just, who take a bribe, and who turn away the needy in the courts. Therefore a prudent person keeps silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And so Yahweh, the God of armies, will be with you, as you say. Hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the courts. It may be that Yahweh, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore Yahweh, the God of armies, the Lord, says, Wailing will be in all the wide ways, and they will say in all the streets, Alas, alas! And they will call the farmer to mourning, and those who are skillful in lamentations to wailing. In all vineyards there will be wailing, for I will pass through the middle of you, says Yahweh. Woe to you who desire the day of Yahweh! Why do you long for the day of Yahweh? It is darkness and not light, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall, and a snake bit him. Won't the day of Yahweh be darkness and not light? Even very dark, and no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your feasts, and I can't stand your solemn assemblies. Yes, though you offer me your burnt offerings and meal offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat animals. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. 
But let justice roll on like rivers, and righteousness like a mighty stream. Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings in the wilderness forty years, house of Israel? You also carried the tent of your king and the shrine of your images, the star of your God which you made for yourselves. Therefore I will cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus, says Yahweh, whose name is the God of armies. That is the end of chapter 5. Lamentation is a very strong word. A lamentation would be something that expresses the action, the verb, of lamenting. Webster's New World College Dictionary, the fourth edition, defines lamenting as deep sorrow as expressed with weeping and wailing, to mourn or grieve, such as over a death or some calamity. This is what God is doing here in response to Israel rejecting him. When I have experienced the rejection of those I had reason to believe loved me, I have thought that it is a reminder of the heart-wrenching grief that God feels when those he loves reject him. I know he knows the beginning from the end, but I don't think that negates how our choices in the moment make him feel, and I think there are many indicators that he has such emotions. First of all, the Bible talks about his pleasure and his wrath. Since they are his pleasure and wrath, though, they are always based in and guided by pure goodness. Secondly, it talks about the father loving the son in John 3.35. This is actually using the Greek word phileo, which is talking about tender affection or cherishing. And this is an internal relationship within his being. Then in John 14.21, it says that he loves us who follow who obey his commands. And it's also using the same Greek word phileo of cherishing or having tender affection. We know that the word love in English entails both affection and expression or treatment or care, as in acting out love, whereas the word, the Greek word agape is distinctly tied to the nature of God who cares for us even if we, all of us, are unlovely because of our sin and pride. So one could say that phileo is possible because of agape. But we are talking about lamentation in particular here. Like a man betrothed who has been rejected by and cheated on by his beloved virgin, she, as a result, has fallen to the point where she cannot recover. Now, when God says here there is no one to raise her up, he seems to be referring to those outside of himself, because later we will see that he still admonishes them to return or to seek him and live. But at this point in time, the people, the nation of Israel, is on a fast course for nearly complete wiping out, a death of a huge percentage of them. Yet even at the last moment, if they would just seek God, they would live. He says this in four different places in this chapter in verse 4, 6, 8, and 14. After saying it in verse 4, he says, don't seek false gods, as we know that Bethel in particular refers to those idols set up by Jeroboam. We also know that Yahweh has set his name on the temple in Jerusalem, so to worship anywhere else is at the very least not seeking him wholeheartedly and properly and probably involves idols. After verse 6, God reminds them that he will bring justice. He will have to bring justice because they have turned it into wormwood. I looked up wormwood. 
Easton's Bible Dictionary says it is a plant known for its intense bitterness, and it's used metaphorically of affliction, remorse, or punitive suffering. Um, Of note, in the next chapter, in chapter 6, they translate the same word as poison. Then, after verse 8, just in case we're tempted to think they didn't know any astronomy, he mentions constellations and points out that he made them. And then there's also a reference to the flood, which was a major judgment on wickedness. Unfortunately, as verse 10 says, they don't want to be corrected. In fact, they hate the person, even in the courts of law, because that's what the gate would be referring to, who points out that they are trampling the poor. So where justice should be occurring, they're fighting against it. So in as a result, the things they are building for themselves, quite possibly with a lot of their ill-gotten gains, they will not be around to enjoy. This whole scenario is so bad that a prudent person will just keep silent. Being prudent means to have understanding, to have a quickness to apprehend the situation, like a practical wisdom. And it's kind of like the shrewd servant that is spoken of in Luke 16.8. But then still in verse 14, Yahweh says one more time, seek good and not evil that you may live. It may be yet that Yahweh will be gracious. However, verse 16 indicates that he doesn't expect them to choose life, and so there will be wailing. Apparently, some of them had been asking for Yahweh to show up, but they didn't know that it would bring judgment, probably because they've so blocked their eyes and ears from seeking him in truth. The bear, the snake, and the darkness are all metaphors for its encompassing nature, a judgment that will overwhelm. In verse 21, we get told that the people had still been going through the motions of religious ritual in detail, but none of these sacrifices mean anything if they are not in heartfelt worship, in seeking Yahweh, who is all that is good. He even refers all the way back to their time in the wilderness as a nation, where even there and then they carried around their idols. This describes the judgment similar to how Jesus is speaking to the nation of Israel in Luke chapter 11, verses 50 through 51. This is where he holds them responsible, that generation responsible for the blood of all the prophets from Abel up to Zechariah, the last prophet mentioned in the history as being martyred. Why would he hold them responsible for the blood of all the prophets? Because they had seen and heard everything and still followed in the same wickedness, continuing with the same excuses and patterns of evil. They have years of history and miracles and prophetic messages that they have ignored them all and are seeking to kill the son, as he talks about in his parable of Matthew 21, verses 33 through 39. So getting back to Amos, the people at the time of Amos already had a lot of history, many miracles and prophets, yet they will not listen. So they will be going into captivity, at least those who survive. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 